Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. On today's episode, I have a guest who I've followed for a while on Twitter. He's an educator, former principal, author, blogger, and podcaster, but the labels just don't do him justice because he's a powerful change maker in education, encouraging one educator at a time. And as busy as he is with work and family, he made time to chat with me today. Welcome, George Kuros. Hey, thank, I mean, thanks for having me. And so I've, I've uh, seen all the awesome stuff that you've been doing. So it's a pleasure to take time. And I know that you're accommodating me. You're up late at night and I'm just in the middle of my day. So I really appreciate you having me on and uh, adjusting so that I don't have to go to bed too late. Because <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be asleep by now. If it's oh, 10 gosh. o'clock there, it's noon yeah. for me. Yeah, so I, pre- oh, I appreciate yeah. you doing that. Well, well, thank you. And yeah, I, I, for you, I would stay up late. No worries. <laughs> Just I, I appreciate that. Sure that we have you on. Yeah. So, Georgia, you know, I, I, I put out the labels and all of that. But like mm-hmm. I said, you're so much more than that. So tell our listeners who don't know who you are uh, more about you. Yeah, so I actually, um, I have been in education for about 20 years. I've done everything from uh, the, the, the weird thing is the only thing that I haven't done is teach kindergarten, yet I actually trained to become a kindergarten teacher, which is oh. really, really weird. Yeah, <laughs> so amazing. I, yeah, yeah I've, taught, I've taught grade one to 12. I was a vice principal principal, worked in central office for a while. And now I have the opportunity to like speak, work with school districts. Uh, and just share ideas, and really, uh, I don't, uh, I don't talk about teaching as much as I do talk about learning, because I think that's something that it goes beyond, goes beyond what we do in school, right? It's in how we learn to be better parents. It's how we learn to be better at our business. You know, it's how we learn to take care of our mental health. And I think that's a really universal idea that we all should be focusing on, especially right now, uh, with everything being thrown at us at you know such a fast rate and how do we adapt to it how do we just you know how do we think about the work and personal stuff that we do uh, i'm also a dad as i often talk about i probably more of a dad than anything that's really important to me i have two young daughters one's uh, about gonna be nine months soon we have one that's uh, almost five and she's about to enter kindergarten and yeah, I love I love being a parent. And I, I look at my, my parents are both immigrants to Canada from Greece, and I learned a ton from them. My mom's still alive. My dad passed away about uh, close to nine years now. And uh, they taught me a lot about dealing with change. They taught me a lot about finding opportunities when there's not much out there, uh, because they, they literally came to Canada with nothing and grew up and built something themselves and made sure that their kids had as much opportunity as possible. And they saw education as a way to, you know, a better life. And that was something that was very important to them, which is interesting because my mom had a grade six education, my dad had a grade two education. And between myself and I think my, my three siblings, we have a probably about uh, nine or 10 university degrees. 
and Amazing. they, they like, we didn't have a choice. We had to go to university, mm -hmm. right? Like our parents made us go because they saw it as important. And I think, you know, at the time that was really um, something that they saw as valuable and part of kind of living in this time, thinking about my own kids, I, I don't know if college or university will be in their future. What I know is that I'm going to do my best to teach them how to learn, to adapt, to create their own opportunities. Uh, because I think there's a lot of opportunity here that we take for granted that I didn't have when I was growing up and for sure my parents didn't have. And so, you know, my parents really influenced me that your goal as a parent, your goal as an educator is to help your kids, uh, you know, help our students find better opportunities than we ever had, not just to do the same thing. So that that's really important to me. And yeah, so that's really a lot of how I kind of see my work. I go in and out. Uh, when I look at education, I go in and out of my role as an educator and I go, you know, in and out of my role as a dad. So sometimes I don't even realize when I'm doing it, to be honest with you, I'm talking like, Hey, this is what I want for my kids. And I'm talking to my own children, but saying that what I want for my kids, I want for every single kid in our schools. Right. Sure. And I think that to me is, is really important. So I, I think we have to understand that all educators and all people that have kids in education have multiple roles. We have different perspectives and different things that we see. So um, a lot when we're talking today, I, I might answer some questions as an educator and some as a dad and some. <laughs> that's okay. Both, right? That's okay. That's yeah, that's yeah. great. I, I know how important your daughters are to you. So we'll definitely touch on that for sure. And it's, it's really interesting because to me, it's such a compassionate way to think that you're so inclusive that what you want for your daughters, you also want for every child um, you come in contact and every child mm. that the educators you come in contact, come in contact. And it's sort of this domino effect. So that's, that's really awesome. George, the first question I always ask my guests is if I mention the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first mm. thing that comes to mind? Well, it's interesting because, uh, as you just said, what I really want for my own kids is what I want for every kid. And I think that's not only beneficial to, when I say that, I think it's not only beneficial to my, to the kids that I, you know, work, you know, the, the kids that teachers that I work with work with, uh, but it's also beneficial to my, to my own children, right? When, when kids that they're around are also feeling valued and appreciated. And understanding that we all have different experiences, we all have, you know, different backgrounds and, you know, cultural experiences. Uh, I think that is also something that's really beneficial to my own child, or to my own children, right? Mm -hmm. Because they should see that there, there, there's a power in that learning from different people learning from different people's experiences. And so when you think of belonging, one of the things that I always look at especially from the perspective of a father and an educator is that when a kid walks into a school, do they feel welcome? Do they feel they're appreciated? And I always talk about the story. When I first became a principal, I walked into a, a to the school for the very first day. And this is my first day there. People had been there for like 25, 30 plus years. And I noticed that when I walked in, um, there is an office and that would be my office for my time there. And it was pointed out to me right away. But what I noticed on the other side of the wall, right when you walked in, was, uh, was pictures of principals. 
that had served in that school. And I would watch kids walk into that school every day. And I never saw a kid say, that was the principal in 1972. Like that is amazing. Nobody cared. Right. And it's <laughs> right. Funny because yeah. It's, Cause it's, it's there. Such, it's yeah. Very, it's, it's, I always find it interesting how we talk about kids being narcissistic because they post pictures on Instagram, but then <laughs> we used to post portraits of ourselves on walls, you know, and I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. So I, I actually talked to my staff and I said, Hey, like, I, I don't feel comfortable with these pictures, right? This, this, we we're say we're about kids. We're about kids. We say that all the time. But when you walk in, it's the first thing. It's not even about the adults. It's about like, y'all powerful principle. So I'm not going up there. Like, I don't feel comfortable being on that because the school, it's not about me. It's about us. It's about our kids. And it was interesting because a lot of my staff argued with me and they're like, no, you cannot take those pictures down. Like that is tradition. Right. And one of my favorite quotes ever, uh, it's not mine is tradition is peer pressure from dead people. And so it's not my (laughs) quote. I love that quote. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not against tradition. I'm not against it, but I'm against doing things because we've always done them Mm. that don't help kids. Right. Right. And so we, we actually really focused on, uh, we got rid of those pictures and then we replaced them with pictures of kids in the building, right? Like not pictures from yesteryear, but kids in the building right now. And if you go to that school today, and this is like 11, 12 years ago, it's still the same thing. They still have those pictures. And it's not the pictures that I was like when I was mm-hmm. there, because they were they're replaced every, you know, few months. Nice. So it's like the kids that are in that building right now. So when they walk in, they see the school as ours, like th- that we're represented in the space. And it's not sure. just like what's on the walls in the school, but it's also um, like what's represented in the literature that we've mm-hmm. discussed. And not, not only like, do we see ourselves, but do we see our passions? Do we see our interests? Like I always talk about, you know, most kids in North America read The Great Gatsby and why, like, I'm not saying it's not a good book, but I would have loved to read the Jordan rules. I love basketball and okay. I walked out of school and having written two books, if you would have asked me when I graduated high school, like, would you ever become an author? Like, will you ever write a book? Yeah. I would have probably said, I'll be lucky if I read a book after this. Like I hated <laughs> reading and writing oh, so gosh. much. Right. Because I, I was like, why would I write about crap? I don't care about. Right. Sure. Like, because that's sure. like, that's what I read about. And so I think you didn't see yourself in what you were reading. Oh, and yeah. And I didn't like, I didn't even see my interest, right? Like I didn't see things that I cared about. And, and in fact, Mm. and I was actually discouraged from reading things I was interested in. And, uh, and like, we do this, we do this in school. Like, uh, we do this in school. It just looks a little bit different. Now. Uh, I used to read every week that a new sports illustrator would come out. And in Sports Illustrated, I go in the library and I right away go right to the back page article. And the back page article was always written by a gentleman named Rick Riley. And Rick Riley would write um, sports stories, but he would have, there was always like an emotional connection, right? Like I would really resonate with like, cause I was, I was a big, you know, basketball player, football player. um, And, you know, I was really big into athletics. But he would always do it like in a really emotional way. And I would often like cry reading these. And I love those stories. And I remember saying like, hey, like we want, can we do some free reading time? And I would want to bring Sports Illustrated. And many of my teachers said, well, that's not, that's not real reading. You got to read like a book. And, and we don't necessarily do that. What kind of now message with, does that send? Right. Wow. And it, like, it, because it's like, it's a short thing. And, but we do that now sometimes in schools with blogs or, yeah. you know, like we might not do it with magazines, but we do it with, you know, maybe like if a kid wants to read on an iPad, 
and there's like more visuals and things like that. Mm -hmm. I've even heard it sometimes. And I think this is a practice that's going away. Thank goodness is like, you know, being kids discouraged from reading like graphic novels. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is um, I'm working on a book with uh, collaborative authors right now. And, and we're, I'm saying like, we want really emotional, powerful stories. And someone sent me um, one of the article or one of their things written. I said, Hey, like, this is a little bit too clinical for what this book is. Mm -hmm. I want you to like, I want more emotion. I want people to feel this, right? We're not trying to give checklists to teachers right now. We're just trying to like honor them. And so I'm like working with this author. And what's interesting is I actually said, Hey, read this. And I actually, I, I Googled an article that I read in that sports illustrated oh, wow. about 30 years ago. And I still remember it. Like, I still remember the story. It resonated with me by that gentleman named Rick Riley. And it was like, it was the first hit. Like I knew every keyword to find it right away. And it was the very first article I wrote. Oh, and if you actually look at Rick Riley's work, he is a huge influence for me for how I write today. Cause I always try to have like emotional stories and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like what's the moral of what I'm trying to do for education. So like my goal is to be like Rick Riley for education because he's, you know, he's Rick Riley for sports and that, that was his, his forte. And, yes. and I think when you look at that, I, it took me a long time to feel like took me way past university, you know, several years of teaching to feel like I could do things that the way that I wanted to do them to mm -hmm. connect with, um, you know, to write, uh, cause you're discouraged almost from writing in like a narrative way in university. Right. Sure. And I think when we look at belonging, we want to, to really find help kids find what their strengths are. And mm -hmm. I think adults too. And, for me, it took me till 30s before I really started figuring that stuff out. And I yeah. would hope that we could do that earlier. A lot of kids walk out of school and, and then they say, well, we don't, I don't really know what I want. And I think because sometimes we discourage them from things that they want for things that we perceive to be right or good, right? Like this is like, this is what the way we want for them. Yes. Right. And it's like saying yeah. like as a father with a kid about going, you know, about to enter school, like, hey, I want her to go to college. That's not true. I want her to find her own way. I want her to find what helps her bring, you know, find purpose. That might mm -hmm. be college. Like, I don't want to close that door for her. Sure. But, but I, I, I think there's just different opportunities for our kids yes. that didn't exist when I was there. And I think belonging is really, and I've talked about this a lot of times, is not defining success for other people, but helping them define it for themselves and figure out how, helping them figure out how they get to that path. I absolutely love that. Yeah. You know, it's, we don't often think of belonging in relation to success, but if we're talking yeah. about finding our purpose, which you mm -hmm. just mentioned, then obviously that leads to success, happiness, you know, all of those positive things. And you're absolutely right. We, we need to make sure that our, our children and students know what their strengths are and know what their interests are. And if we, constantly mm -hmm. are keeping them away from that it's going to be very difficult for them it's no wonder they're so lost when they graduate from high school they start college and they have no idea what they want to do mm -hmm. so uh, because there's so many choices like yeah, there, there's, there's, a, there's a class in uh norway that did something really interesting they i remember connecting with them and they actually wrote a book and published it as a class right and 
some of the kids were not excited about writing and they were a part of that book. So they did the marketing or some of them did the graphics, some of them did other things. So even with the context of what their goal was for as a class, they didn't, right. the teacher didn't say, you must all write a chapter. You must all do this thing. They said like, Hey, like, what do you feel you can contribute to this book? What do you feel you could do? And some of them would actually went out who maybe uh, understood the message, but didn't do a ton of the writing. And they actually spoke at conferences and talked about it because that was one of their passions. Right. So like, even within the, like sometimes, and I think this is a really important aspect is that we say, Oh, school doesn't allow us to do these things. School doesn't allow us. I'm like, well, no, it's, it's really, there's an artistry to the way that we teach. So yeah, I got to teach this curriculum. Yeah. We got to do this thing. But how I work and develop kids' strengths in that passion, right, in that space is, is really important is understanding. And that teacher did a wonderful job helping the kids become a part of something as a larger whole as opposed to saying all kids must do exactly the same thing, right? Because if every kid walks out of our school and they're all programmed to do the exact same thing, how does that make our world any better? Right? Like it's yeah. when you help, when people are a lot happier, when they feel they're, they're contributing in a way that's meaningful to them, to the world, not when they're contributing in a way that's designated for them by someone else, whether they like it or not. And I think that really ties into that notion of belonging. Right. And in order for people to find their purpose, they need to have all of that information uh, oh. along the way. And if they don't, and they don't find their purpose, it's really, it's, it's very sad, first of all. And second of all, it, it really leads them to looking for things that are not satisfying to them, which is, which is, right. uh, can be very depressing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could lead to being really miserable. I, I love seeing your weekly posts in my email. Yeah. Uh, you call it something personal, professional, and profound. Uh, your personal posts are honest and vulnerable. And you talk about your observations and lessons learned in life and your role as a father. Have you always been able to share your personal journey or is this something recent? And it sort of relates to what you're talking about in terms of, of your writing, you know, that, that sort of came late also. I, uh, I, I grew up in a family that uh, probably didn't talk a lot about our emotions when we were growing up, didn't talk about some of those things, but Weirdly enough, was very, you know, because I think sometimes when people share that, it sounds like it's, it's like, oh, like, maybe it's kind of cold, but very warm and loving. Like, if you ever, if you ever would meet my mom, and I said, hey, this is Eileen, she'd hug you, right? Like, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's how my mom is, right? She's a very affectionate person. That's just how we kind of grew up. Uh, And really, I've learned to develop that I've always kind of been just kind of comfortable sharing kind of lessons that I've learned in open and honest ways and, and developing that. I, I, it's funny because I've been doing that for a long time. And someone asked me recently, like, Oh, did you get that from Brene Brown? I'm like, like, I, I, I know Brene Brown's work, but I've been Mm -hmm. doing that long past. I ever knew that. Um, Not that I like started it before Brene Brown or anything like that. You know, (laughs) she's been doing that work for years, but it's, I think it's, it's a way to kind of connect with people in a way. And I'm really big on this notion of like, if people see themselves in the story, if people see themselves 
um, you know, like, oh, I resonate with that because, you know, like when I talk about my parents, right. And mm -hmm. being, being immigrants coming over the country, I have a lot of people who have similar stories that all of a sudden listen to what I'm saying a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I think in education, what we've, um, maybe done wrong in the sense that we always feel like we're so limited in time that we get right to the material and not actually share some of those personal stories that connect us. But if you spend an hour getting into material, but no one really listens to you, but if you spend, but if you spend 15 minutes talking about some of those personal elements, and then you have 45 minutes of people really intrigued by what you're saying, it's, it's way better learning. Absolutely. And I think that's something for me. And I like, I don't know if I've done it always um, in social media. There's lots of things I don't talk about in social media. There's lots of things I don't share. I would, uh, I would hope everybody right. would do that. They exactly. sort of, you know, parcel right. it out. Right. <laughs> yes. I think, I think people say, um, oh, well, you're not being truthful if you're not like sharing all of your moments. So I'm like, no, I just understand the context, right? Like, mm -hmm. so if I, you know, get in a fight with my family, a family member, I don't, say guess what just happened because that doesn't make that other person look good it's from my perspective things like that yeah. and so i'm cognizant of that but it doesn't mean i don't ever you know get in arguments with my wife or things like that right mm -hmm. it's but it's like honoring um her as well so that like it's not like i share everything but i know when i was teaching you know at the at, you know the younger levels the high school levels I remember like when you share some of those stories, the kids were much more interested in listening to you. Kids were much more interested in like being part of your class because they felt they knew who you were. Mm -hmm. And I've, I'm a huge basketball fan. I've always shared my love for basketball with my students. And we've like celebrated things together. We've had times where I've been in a class and, you know, all of a sudden this kid likes this team and I like this team. And uh, now we're like, you know, arguing in class and then, mm -hmm. you know, like jokingly, obviously about, you know, our favorite team. And then it's more interesting to do that work. Yes. So I think as educators, I think there's a professional line that we always have to have, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I know that I've connected with students so much better because I've been willing to share who I am, some of my experiences, some of the things that, um, you know, I've grown up with. I remember distinctly sharing like when my dog passed away. A lot of kids connected with me because they had that happen with them, you know, or, and they saw like, uh, like, cause that happened when I was a principal and their, their perception of a principal maybe at the time was, you know, a person who knows everything and, you know, is like never and lives in the building. Don't you sleep in yeah, the building? <laughs> but then they, uh, they saw like, Hey, this is like a real human, right. And real, yeah. uh, connection. And it, I think it just, it makes learning much more powerful. And it's interesting because yesterday I talked to a parent who I think probably I was a principal at her kid's school. Um, one of her, her daughter was in grade two, her son was in grade six mm -hmm. and uh, she connected with me and this is probably, and they just went into the, the daughter's just in a university now. And I could still tell her stories about her own kids because we set up ways that we could learn more about their kids. And she was, blown away that I remembered these things because those things resonate and they actually, but she also shared, yeah, my kids still talk about you and this thing that happened and this and this and this. Yeah. And it's because like, it's not only important that we kind of share our stories, but we listen to other stories and then we, we connect them too. Cause mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time telling people to share their voice. And I think that's a really important element, but if everyone's sharing their voice at the exact same time, mm -hmm. 
nobody's listening. And I think we also have to teach the importance of getting our kids to like share their stories and, and who they are, but really listen to them and make it part of what we do, which is, you know, as I said earlier, is part of them feeling, you know, that belonging into our, our, our schools and our classrooms. Absolutely, because when you listen closely to those stories, you're able to validate them by giving feedback and commenting and remembering them. And that obviously is, is a huge component to having those relationships. So that's sort of where I want to go next. Uh, you mentioned in the background information you sent me, uh, quote, that meaningful change happens when you first connect to people's hearts, unquote. And relationships and belonging obviously go hand in hand. They're at the core of uh, innovating teach, innovative teaching and learning in your um, in, innovate inside the box. And it's something that is so core to your, your beliefs, I believe, uh, I think. So talk a little bit, tell us a little bit more about that. Have you always looked at things that way or? I just, I just know that it just makes it more interesting, right? I think it's, like I said, it's, it's a connection. I, when I wrote Innovator's Mindset, I wanted to write a book in education that was different from other books that I had read in education. Because I'm going to be honest with you, probably prior to Innovator's Mindset, I really had a hard time reading education books because I felt they were really dry. It was like a lot of like, and, and I understand there's value in this too, right? Like there's a lot of like data and numbers and uh, all these things. And that is exactly what deterred me from reading. And I think a lot of people say, well, this is really important stuff. Yeah, but it's hard to read. And it, it, it actually, if I can't get through it, then it's stuff that I'll never actually know. So what I try to do when I write is take some of that research, probably put a little bit less of it, but tell more stories connected to it. So people connect with those ideas, connect with resonate. And like, and that's, that's, that's my preference, right? Some people love the like heavy research mm -hmm. and that's fine. Right. But I, I, I think a lot of people resonate with my style of writing because that's who they are as teachers. And like, as you mentioned before, that email that I do um, every week, the something personal, something professional, something profound, I usually, I always share like a personal story. It could be something about my kids, about my dog, something I'm going through, whatever. Like I've talked about my weight loss, things like mm -hmm. that. But I distinctly leave a space um, with a something profound because I don't, I don't think I say profound things. I think that I, I try to reference other people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, like I, I carve out that space to highlight other people's stories, to highlight other people's thinking, their great quotes, their great ideas, and, and then try to like make my own connections to that learning. And part of the reason I do that is because I know that a lot of people read that email. And if I can give other people an audience, it's something that's really important to me is using any of my um, space that I have where people look and read my stuff that I give that over to others. And I, you know, I've learned a lot from them. And I think a lot of times we learn from a lot of other people, but we just kind of keep that to ourselves where I'm like, Hey, this is really powerful thinking. I will hope more people have access to this. And I think that when I write that connection, sometimes it's not just through my experiences, it's finding stories about kids, stories about teachers that kind of reaffirm some of the things that I'm sharing in that, but they're not always from my perspective. So people can say, well, that worked for you, right? I'm like, no, 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 it's not just for me. Like, here's a story from this teacher. Here's a story about this kid. And so I think that, that to me is 
also finding those stories and, and highlighting and elevating them in a way so that people see that it's not just like, this is just my experience. There's other people who have different viewpoints, different experiences who also are doing some of the things I'm talking about. Right. And I think that to me, like when I present, I'm very cognizant of like, it's important to share some research, some data, but I want you to see kids doing this stuff because that's why we're here. And if you see that you're more emotionally connected to any of the research or numbers I've shared in that process. Sure. And, and I love that about the, the idea of, of the profound and sharing other people's mm -hmm. stories. Obviously, it's profound because it was something that resonated with you. You know, you don't, you're not profound to yourself. And so, I, yeah, I, I really, I really connected with that also. George, this has been absolutely fantastic. And I, I hate for it to end, but we're uh, coming down to the end. Where are the best places to find you? And of course, I'll include all that in the show notes, including links to your books right. and anything else that you think is important for, for the listeners to have. But where are the best places to find you if people want to hop off after they listen to the podcast? And Yeah, so and look for my you. blog's at georgecrows.ca and it's G-E-O-R-G-E-C-O-U-R-O-S.ca. I'm based in Canada and you can see all my stuff there. Uh, Twitter's G Crows, Instagram's G Crows. So if you find me there, right. But uh, if you Google me, you'll find me everywhere. So that's probably the easiest way. And a lot of your quotes, which I love. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Appreciate yeah. George, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for taking yeah. the time. And I felt like it was a, you know, sort of a, a visit. So, but thank you. Good. Thanks for, thanks for accommodating me today. So I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.